0: Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gellett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week covers the University of Tennessee for 105.7 Fox Sports Knoxville. You can follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. He's Trey Wallace. Trey, we know you have not been feeling well this week. We both just want to say thank you for for taking the time to still join us.
1: No, absolutely, man. It's great to be on with you guys and, and talking SEC football. And I uh, had the flu trying to get over it. Probably going to prevent me from going down to Tuscaloosa and sitting in, uh, you know, 50-degree weather with rain. But you know what? It, it's still a it's still some football to be played this weekend. Glad to be on to talk about it.
0: Hey, there's there's a lot of interest in the future of Jeremy Pruitt, not only in Knoxville, but Tuscaloosa as well. It's been a shaky start. Has a portion of the Vol fan base already made up their mind on him? And, and if Tennessee finishes the season as, say, a three- or four-win team, is, is it a realistic possibility that they let him go this soon?
1: You know what, I think that, that was interesting. So four weeks ago, I'd have probably told you something different if you to ask you know you they, they come out of that georgia state game and everybody will admit it and i talked to people they just weren't they, they were prepared for byu in florida they didn't put much attention towards georgia state and what happens is you get a young team out there that um you know you it's filled with 18 19 year old freshmen, sophomores and, and tennessee only has you know eight to nine seniors so you get a team out there that's not fully prepared for this team and you know, they get down, and they have a hard time fighting back. And I think that would go for for any team in the country if you get down a certain amount of money. And then you blink, all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, okay, what do I do here? Um, so what I saw was from week one to week two, I saw a different team. Against BYU, I thought they came out and played energetic. They played better defense. If they don't, you know, if unfortunately, if Elante Taylor doesn't uh, kind of roll to the left right there and, and get beat on a 75-yard bomb that sets BYU up, Tennessee wins that football game. And, it, and it's kind of easy as that. There's really no more breaking down at that point. Uh, but I've seen a football team over the last couple games, starting with Chattanooga. And then when they went down to Florida, I, I, I thought this was a team that, that should have been up 14 to 10 at halftime. You know, they had Dominic Wood Anderson across the middle. Easy touchdown. They threw the interception in the uh, right there in the end zone with Jawan Jennings. You know, a couple of things can go their way, and then what happens is that Tennessee's so thin at certain spots, teams start to take over. And 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 I thought that carried over a little bit, but I thought they played the best half when they played Georgia. You know, they come out and they had a good half of football and the defense is playing good and uh, they're holding Jake from and, and and trying to hold the running game and, and what happens is again, you know, at the end Georgia starts running the football right up the gut, it wears Tennessee down. And then we see what happens with Mississippi State, where Tennessee finally put together 60 minutes of solid defense. And and I think that's something that they've been missing, but something that they've been trying to accomplish. And I thought that they had the ability to, uh, you know, seven sacks against State. Um, I thought Tennessee's offense played well at times. Brian Maurer, that second interception, I'm going to throw that to the old neck sprain and concussion. He was just trying to throw into a coverage that wasn't there. But what I'm getting at, you're starting to see – a young team buy into their head coach. And when that happens, I think Tennessee fans, a good majority of them, they have backed off the old, oh man, let's get rid of him now. Let's, you know, let's, let's say the inevitable. We know what's coming. I think they've seen the performance of this team over the last three to four weeks and the fight that they've shown. And they backed off on that and they're giving Pruitt a chance. Now to, to counterpoint that, if Tennessee gets drummed by Bama, loses South Carolina, and there's nothing to play for, and they end up with only maybe three wins on the season, okay, well, maybe a discussion is had um, at the end of the season about the direction of the program. But I think as of right now, people are – it's crazy how one SEC win kind of helps things out. And uh, Tennessee fans are – they're in a wait-and-see approach right now. and And, and I applaud them for kind of chilling out a little bit because – I do think Jeremy Pruitt can do some things here in Knoxville.
2: Hey, Trey, Brad Canning here. I want to thank you for giving us the the podcast interview version of MJ's flu game. It uh, means a lot. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I want to come right out of the gate swinging a little bit. And, you know, there's a sentiment out there which neither one of us here like. And, you know, it's that rivalries can't be lopsided. You know, and I've seen people pose the question, is this still a rivalry? You know, I want to know from you, isn't rivalries solely based on the dissident from, you know, for each other? And, you know, is this game still the same to you as it was, say, 15 years ago? Because to us, it is.
1: Let me let me tell you something. I grew up in the state of Alabama. I was born in Mobile, Alabama. I lived down there for my first 25 years of my life. I've lived in the state of Tennessee now for seven years. and, And I went to multiple Tennessee, Alabama games. I, I, I've been to Legion Field multiple times back in the 90s to see Tennessee versus Alabama. I've been to Brian Denny multiple times to see Tennessee to Alabama, and I've covered the games now. And And I can tell you, living in the state, Alabama fans hate Tennessee. And you know what? Tennessee fans hate Alabama. And that rivalry is always going to be there. I don't think it's just, and I get where some folks come off. I understand the reason. Oh, okay, well, this team's won. 10 times in a row. So the rivalry must not be there anymore. Well, a lot of people, and I'm looking at it from Tennessee side, a lot of people forget what Tennessee did to Alabama in the late 90s and then the early 2000s. So it's like, okay, you know, some people don't think it's a rivalry now because Alabama's been on this roll. Well, then I say, okay, well, was it not a rivalry back in the late 90s and the early 2000s when Tennessee was beating up on Alabama? Like there's gotta be some middle ground here. So that's why I kinda don't buy the whole it's not a robber anymore because this team is, is beaten this team so many times. Look, they hate each other, there's cigar smoking going on, there there's a there's a deep rivalry, it's it's a border state, you know, to each other. Alabama fans don't like Tennessee fans a lot because of former. And Tennessee fans don't like Alabama a lot of times because of you know, Stallings or DeBose or, or and everything that went into that. And, you know, maybe the jealousy a little bit of the Nick Saban success. But it's a it's a rivalry. And and I go back and even look at two games, you know, oh nine 9 where Tennessee had a chance to win it down there at the end. You know, turned out Alex Lincoln, the kicker, pretty much has blown his quad. You know, and you get a 350-pound a giant and Terrence Cody. Somehow he blocks a kick, which is like a miracle from God that it happened twice in that game. And, and, you know, that's one game. And then you look at 15 where Tennessee, you know, drives down the field in Tuscaloosa and they score, but they scored too early. They gave Alabama about a minute and 20 left and Alabama drove down the field. And, and they scored and put the game away. I There's instances in this rivalry where it's a lot closer than maybe what the overall win streak looks like. And, and that's why I think it's it's still there. I mean, if you, if you ask an Alabama fan, you know, how you feel about Tennessee? Oh, I hate them. If you ask a Tennessee fan that, they're going to say the same damn thing. So I don't think anything's changed. I just think it's maybe some people like to pump a little bit too much gas, and it's something that's not anymore. And uh, and I don't buy it. It's a rivalry. I've grown up and, and lived in both states. I got family that are Alabama fans, family that are Tennessee fans, and uh, trust me, the, the 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 shit talking this week. Has not stopped.
0: I could not agree more. The, the the biggest surprise to me as it pertains to Tennessee is the regression of Jarrett Garantano. I, I thought coming yeah. into the season, like a lot of other people did, that he was poised for a big year, but a, really a breakout year. Has he just not clicked with Jim Chaney, or is there a, any kind of a general feeling around the program as to why he seemed to kind of go backwards?
1: You know, it's been it's been interesting because you look at Jared Garantano, Even last year, a couple of the problems that he has were not being able to, to potentially read some of the defenses coming at them, not being able to shift his offensive line into a protection that probably was needed, um, and 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 he was not he's not looking off a receiver. It was usually okay, one receiver. We're going here. It doesn't go through the progressions and. I think they finally came back to bite him this year. Even in a Jim Cheney offense, where you know you do rely on your running backs, you definitely rely on your tight ends, and you try to push the ball downfield. Look what George has done, you know, the previous three years and how they've kind of run their offense. And I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit of of confidence level with him. You can tell. It, I'm not in Tennessee coaches head, but I've talked to some people around the program. I mean, you look what happened last week when he came into the game against Mississippi State. It almost seems like Tennessee's uh, Jim Chaney, the, the coordinators and coaches, don't have any trust in him throwing the football, because his touchdown pass last week was a four yard out to Tyler Byrd, who turned it in to a 35-yard touchdown. Um, they ran the ball so much. So I, I think it is a confidence level from the coaches, a non-confidence level, they have him throwing the football, but you know, I'll say this: Jared Garantano is a kid that never got in trouble uh, since he's been in Knoxville. He's always been stand up. Um, he, he, he's a he's a, a an ambassador for the university in a sense where he doesn't do anything wrong. He does the right things. I but I but I think that when it really breaks down to it, Tennessee needed a spark, and Jared Garantano was not bringing it to them this year. Um, you can even see that towards the end of last year when he was getting beat up, uh, that they just couldn't get anything going. He just took a step back, and that surprised a lot of us. I mean, everybody out there was thinking, oh, this Tennessee offense, you know, so many playmakers, they're going to be good this year on offense, maybe 25 points a game, maybe more. You know, after that second game, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, he's throwing a lot of interceptions. He's not checking his reads down. Just something wasn't right, and I think that's just prolonged now for the rest of the season that we've got here. And, uh, you know, the Tennessee balls are kind of in a Tennessee Titans situation when it comes to quarterback.
2: Yeah. And sticking with, you know, the quarterback theme is Brian Maurer healthy. And if he is, is he going to be the guy on Saturday or, and also going forward past this weekend for Tennessee?
1: Look, I'm a Tennessee fan. I'm like, no, hold him out. Don't let him play against the Alabama (laughs) defense. Like God, no, (laughs) we need him. we need him against South Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, like, I've heard that all week. You know, that I, f- I found that to be very funny and almost agreeable. Um, but Mauer and Juwan Denning said the best. He goes, You know, that you can tell that kid didn't play baseball, he doesn't know how to slide. Uh, you know, he, he's done this twice in the road, back to back weeks where he's kind of dope for a first down. That play you saw on Saturday where he just went, you know, vertical. His he head blinked right <laughs> to the ground. Yeah, it was weird, man. And, and, and I go back and look at it, too. Um, you know, he got up and he was talking mess and to the opposing teams and uh you know Tennessee didn't really didn't realize that he might not be all there until he threw that interception. Um he practiced Sunday night, he practiced Monday, he practiced Tuesday, he's practiced, you know, yesterday. Uh but you guys know this. At practice, you're not taking any hits. You're 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 running on air. Um, you know, he's in a protocol and Jeremy said that he'd be a game time decision. I think he plays Saturday. I do. I think he's going to play Saturday. If you're going to go with him, you're going to go with him because of his arm and his mobility. Um, He seemed fine. You know what I mean? And that's the thing from people that I've spoken with. Um, But I think you'll see Brian Maurer out there. And and he he just brings a a spark to the team where he's, he's 18 years old, not a care in the world besides, you know, what he's wanting to do on the football field and his teammates. And, uh, that that fearless kind of in, in, in a player can be a good thing. But then when you've got a, a 235-pound Alabama linebacker that comes off the edge and nobody picks him up and puts him on the ground, then then that's when potentially we could see Jared Garantana. Uh
0: Trey, linebacker Henry Toto has, has really been a bright spot for Tennessee. He was called for targeting yeah. last week. He'll sit the first half Saturday. Who do they replace him with, and do you do you expect any kind of a, a drop-off at that position?
1: It's going to be interesting. I think they're going to have to roll with you know two different guys, maybe Solomon Page or Kavarius Crouch. Uh, the thing about Crouch is he's such an athlete. Uh, he, he really is. He lives up to that four, five-star type of player. The problem is he, he doesn't quite have the speed yet to get you know if Alabama, you know, runs the stretch play like they love to run. Um, you know, Crouch is not a player that I don't think can get sideline to sideline to track him down. Crouch is more of, okay, we're going to try to stop the run right up the middle. And I think that's where you're going to see him in a, in a good amount in the first half. I think when you have a guy like Page, um, you know, he, he's got some speed to him uh, to be able to get to the running backs and potentially bring, you know, the pressure on Tua from many different edges. But, you know, I, I look at it, I think you're going to see players like Daryl Taylor maybe kind of step back a little bit maybe bring something off the corner. Tennessee's going to find ways to replace Henry. Uh, in the first half, and I think they'll do a decent job of that. But I'll be honest with you, it's going to take the play of, like, two players just to equal up what Henry brings to the field. Um, but when you have a veteran linebacker like Daniel Batuli back there who knows this defense, he knows what to do, I think he can coach up the guys, um, uh, you're going to see a little bit of a drop-off, but I don't, I don't think it's too much. So, Trey, you know, we had
2: that press conference uh, where Coach Pruitt brought up the high school coach in Arkansas that, you know, never kicks (laughs) at all of any type except ass. And, uh, you know, we actually had a segment on him on last week's episode uh, because, you know, we want Alabama to adopt that philosophy, philosophy in opponent's territory. And I have a theory that Pruitt's hiding in plain sight right here. Like he's actually going to go with an onside kick to open the game if he's given the opportunity. You know, do you think that presser was purely satire or was there actually something to it?
1: I think it. I think it was funny. Uh, that that team played uh, Ravenwood in the mid state of Tennessee, and, and if I'm not mistaken, it put up like 47 points against Ravenwood. I think it was like 61 47. Somebody had tweeted me, and I've seen video of this team. Um, look, Jeremy Pruitt was was joking per se, but he also knows he's got to do some things to keep the ball out of Tua's his hands. And if that means Tennessee's on Alabama's 47 yard line and it's fourth and three. Okay. Well, do you want to punt it to Alabama or do you want to take the shot of picking up three yards? Jamie Pruitt, I think is going to take the shot of picking up three yards. Um, you can roll the quarterback out. You can hit Chandler out of the backfield. Um, Dominic Wood Anderson, the tight end. I I, I know where you're getting at, and I pretty much agree with you here. I, I Yes, yeah, he was bringing that up because, you know, he wanted a reference of something funny, and, and Jeremy Pruitt, you know, he's got a fun personality. You just have to get to know him. But in that instance, Tennessee is going to do some things on Saturday to keep it out of Alabama's hands. And here's the thing. Tennessee's got nothing to lose on exactly. Saturday. You took the words they out of roll, yep. They can roll out there. They can kick an onside kick in the second quarter, you know, and, and potentially pick it up. If you don't, okay, try to bend, not break. You know, maybe give up a field goal if something like that happens. Tennessee's going down there with a mentality to win the football game. Now, experts, and logically, that's not going to happen probably, but – We've seen crazier things. Look what South Carolina did against Georgia last week. South Carolina went down there, us against the world. It don't matter. We're down here playing with house money. We're just going to throw anything and everything that we can at them. They ran multiple blitzes. They went forward on fourth down. You saw some trickery with them. I think that's what you're going to see with Tennessee on Saturday because they've got to keep that. They got to keep the momentum of the Mississippi State win and the excitement in that locker room. They got to keep that somehow. You can't go down to Alabama and get beat by 45 points. Because if that happens, okay, mentality of 18- to 19-year-old kids and, and some of these juniors, and the seniors is like, damn, okay, now what do we do? Tennessee needs to go down here and, and kind of just lay it all in the line, say screw it, let's go down here, let's play some football, but let's gamble at times. And I think you're going to see that happen. Um, you know, 35-point underdogs, I mean, what, whatever, what the hell could they lose by doing some crazy stuff, and I think that's what you're going to see on Saturday, at times.
0: All right, last one. We'll let you go. The spread, like you said, is hovering around 35. Are you taking Tennessee in the points?
1: Oh man, that's been an interesting question all week. Uh, I think it stays at that number two before we get to Saturday. You know, I I I look at Tennessee's offense, and Tennessee has playmakers on the outside of Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, and they also got it when you throw in. Palmer, Jordan Palmer right there in the spot. I think if Tennessee comes out and does what they did against Auburn last year in a sense of let's throw some 50-50 balls up to these guys and let our playmakers go make a play down the field, and if they can keep the ball uh, away from Alabama as much as they can in the first half and the second half and maybe try to draw this thing out, then, then Tennessee can keep it respectable. And respectable, I mean 37 Somewhere along, somewhere along the lines of that, right there, I think Tennessee does enough uh, offensively to try to keep the ball out of to his hands that they can keep it under that spread of thirty-four and a half. And And honestly, too, I don't see Nick running it up on Jeremy and embarrassing him. I don't you? You know, if Alabama is up by thirty points in the fourth quarter and they got Mac Jones playing a quarterback. I don't see them passing the ball. I don't see them trying to run it up. They're going to run their offense. But I don't see them trying to run up the score because you don't have to. Everybody knows in the country it's Alabama, LSU, Clemson, those type of teams. So it's not like you got to go out and beat this team by 50 points to make a statement. Um, but I think Tennessee's offense, they can do enough on Saturday to at least keep them in the game for a little bit. Uh, but then Alabama just going to start running that football. So I'm taking Tennessee in the point Saturday. I think it's going to be somewhere, like I said, around 37-14 Alabama beats Tennessee.
0: Uh, if their strategy is 50-50 balls, <laughs> Alabama's defense yeah. hasn't come away with one of those in about a decade. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> it's been that... interesting. Like, <laughs> no, I I agree with you. Like I, I, You know, look what, look what Texas A&M did last week. You know, there were times where – even Texas A&M was, was trying to float up plays and make them happen downfield, and, you know, at times they had success. I mean, you even look what Ole Miss did for a little bit during that game. You know, I just I just think, and, and we're also, guys, we're at that part of the season where I don't care if you're the number one team in the nation or not. You're tired. You're beat up. You need a bye week. You know, you are getting to that point where injuries are starting to maybe mount up a little bit and you need a break. I just think this is the type of game where Jeremy Pruitt really doesn't give a shit, and he's going to go down there, and he's going to do his best to try to win the football game for his players. Not going to work out. I'll have a win, but I think Tennessee covers.
0: All right. Listen to him from 3 to 6 daily, 105.7, Fox Sports, Knoxville. Trey, chug some NyQuil, buddy.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Guys, I'm <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to watch this, uh, this NFL game on tonight. We'll see how that goes and uh, try to get some rest. But I always appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, have a fantastic time if you're going to the game Saturday night, which starts at midnight, uh, so be careful driving home. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again.
2: Thanks.
0: All right, Brad, I want to go back to the rivalry question. And Maybe this is an age thing, but d- does this week still mean more to you than other weeks?
2: Oh, for sure. And I mean, if anything, it's just the history to it. You know, the lore, the luster of that rivalry and on the flip side of what lore and luster stand for. Um, yeah. I, I do think because of the way society is right now and everything's within the moment and what have you done for me lately that you can say maybe to some it's not that or it doesn't have that weight. But if you're being raised either in Tennessee or in Alabama and you're one of those two teams, you know, you're going to. Obviously, be indoctrinated into that hate, mm-hmm. and it's just natural. And right now, even though you continue to beat the hell out of them every year, that that streak could go on for another ten years. It doesn't matter though, because if you are looking at the rivalry the way it is and what it stands for in terms of significance, it doesn't matter if you beat them every year or not. That it, it is what it is, and whether you win or lose, it's always the biggest rivalry.
0: Yeah, it's, it's to me, it's not about how recent a win in this series was for Tennessee. It's just about the fact that it's, it's Tennessee. Like yeah. Ole Miss has beaten Alabama a lot more recently than Tennessee has, and I'll still have a different feeling walking into the stadium on Saturday than I would have three weeks ago when Ole Miss came to town. Like, I still have an easier time getting up for this game than I do almost any other week of the season. And maybe it's because I'm 32, I remember what Tennessee was, I know the potential of that program, what they can be when, when things are going well. And if you brush it off as just another game or another week, wait until they win one. Wait till they yeah. win one in that series. Your feelings will change quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, you probably haven't seen many coaches outside of Nick Saban either. So
0: uh, I, I do love that. Look, Alabama's added a new tradition to this rivalry as well, and that's Alabama beating Tennessee with a former Tennessee head coach on the sideline. It started – with the lane kiffin the finger pistols, you remember that? He came out of the yeah. locker room in Knoxville, you know, shooting his fake guns. Then you have Butch Jones taking like eighty pictures in the locker room last season, smoking cigars with the players. And from everything we've heard, the players have absolutely loved Butch Jones from the minute he stepped on campus. So assuming alabama takes takes care of business Saturday, I'd imagine we see more of that. And we may not be done. We may not be at the end of this trend. If Jeremy Pruitt gets canned, you have to think he'll be back in Tuscaloosa eventually, if not immediately.
2: Yeah, we better not be done. God dang it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: Oh, I'm saying like uh, not not done hiring their former head
2: coach. No, no, yeah. exactly. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm up okay. all, all the way for you know having Pruitt back. You know, <laughs> I I want some non-offensive touchdowns again. I mean, come on, we got rid of third and Kirby. That's been great, but I want some knots when we need those again.
0: Uh I feel like every year I do the same thing during this week and we record like the same segment. I look at Tennessee's roster and I cannot <laughs> I can't figure out why they're in such a hole. Like I, I know they have some depth issues and the roster from 1 to 85 it leaves a, a lot to be desired, but there's enough talent on paper. Like you can just go off what Trey was saying. There's enough talent on paper to win games when you look at that first 22.
2: I know it's like the program itself has been molded into this. I, it's I don't even think it's coaching. It's just this is the expectation, and where you get to is you're there. You're talented. You're underperforming. Doesn't yeah. matter. Roll in bodies. Doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm. Like every year, I go down this list, and there's familiar names all around because they are guys that Nick Saban wanted. There's four starters on their offensive line, Brad, that Alabama would have accepted a commitment from. Darnell Wright, former five-star. Wanye Morris, former five-star. Trey Smith is considered one of the top offensive linemen in the nation when he's healthy. Uh, He was a top target for Nick Saban. And Brandon Kennedy literally played at Alabama. Yeah. So, so like, then you go – like, Trey brought up Dominic Wood Anderson. There was a lot of drama in that recruitment, but he was the top overall – he was the top overall tight end on Alabama's board two years yep. ago. <laughs> yep, I mean, Jawan Jennings would play anywhere in the country. Ty Chandler, talented mm-hmm. back. So, I look at that offense, and keep in mind, even Jarrett Garantano, he was the top dual-threat quarterback in the nation on the composite. So, And he showed Jesus, promise. So,
2: I wouldn't. How does I, this happen? I still don't believe that. <laughs> Butch ruined him so bad, I do not believe that. I just –
0: I don't under Like I don't get it.
2: And I don't think you should lose any sleep over it and question yourself about it. So, well, uh, well. it's not meant to be got. Except the only thing to be got is Tennessee come get this L. And <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, what's crazy to me is I don't think Tennessee's anywhere, especially by making Pruitt, uh, you know, the puppet for Fulmer. Uh, I don't think they're anywhere close to getting out of this whole USC, Nebraska, de- desert, dead area where you keep holding on to what you were without letting go to become something different and better. Yeah. Because you, you hold yeah. on to those things that tie you to that, you know?
0: You know, same can be said for the defense. Aubrey Solomon, former five-star. Henry To'o toe, he was the top inside linebacker target for Alabama last year. Alabama pressed for Nigel Warrior when he came out. Batuli's talented. Daryl Taylor's talented. I don't know, Brad. That I don't know if you could name one other team out there where I can look at their their depth chart. I can see that many guys Alabama recruited in their first twenty two and say that they're two and four and that they're in jeopardy of losing a or not making a bowl game. Is there like can is there another program that has this many kids that talented or that that you can say Nick Saban wanted that you can also say that's a bad football team?
2: Mm, Georgia last week. That's about it. <laughs> one week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, And, you know, sticking with linebackers, too, you talk about you sound like a broken record every year bringing up the roster. Uh, How about last year? We talked about going into this game. Tennessee's got a linebacker suspended for the first half because of targeting. (laughs) And look what happens this year. And then last year that kicked off the whole shit, you know, with uh, the SEC officiating because then LSU, you know, had uh, what's his name get suspended uh, the following week. So I love it. Everyone looks for proof of existence of something. Here is proof of existence for the Red Elephant Club. This is the wreck all day, every day. Can't wait to see what LSU linebacker gets suspended after this weekend. I love it. Thank God our money's going to good things.
0: Uh, yeah, Devin White, right? Uh, yeah, the billboards Devin and everything. Devin White, yep.
2: <laughs> Jerry Judy's uh, victim on that play when he finally came back in that second half. They don't.
0: They don't seem to care as much though when it's uh, Batuli or Henry Toto. As they did when it was Devin White. I wonder why that is.
2: Nah, I wonder why. Maybe
0: maybe because it's not a huge conspiracy theory.
2: No, oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> you, you, sir, you, sir, are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know right. where these offices are located, Pam? I'm just saying.
0: All right. Well, this has been the Rollabama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.